Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. A unique subject, a unique message by a unique messenger. Would you guys give Blake Healy a big, big welcome? Woo! Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> please, please. I mean, you can go a little longer, but no. Just, just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Oh, thank you. Now I will not die of thirst. <laughs> All right. So uh, just, just out of curiosity real quick, how many of you have, um, have never actually heard me speak before? Just throw a hand up real quick. Okay, several of you. You're all hanging out over there. <laughs> it's the safe zone. Um, yes. All right. So um, I, I warned the other service in this same way, so I'm going to warn you guys as well. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a deep message. Is that okay for you guys? <laughs> And not like, you know, like middle of the pool, like up to your chest. I'm talking like the way far end where the big high dives are. <laughs> and, you know, you can't really see the bottom of the pool kind of deep. And then we're going to go down into that. And <laughs> way down. <laughs> and hopefully we'll find Jesus down there. So it'll be great. Um, so just to, just to outline some of where I, I want to go with this and, you know, for some of you who have never heard me speak before, this may be a little bit of a, an accelerated learning curve. But um, I've uh, been able to see angels and demons and other spiritual things for as long as I can remember since I was a little kid. And I uh, see them with my eyes not so very differently from the way I see all of you guys right now. Um, in fact, just as a quick example, I, uh, during worship, I came in in the middle. I had been uh, putting my, my little kids in the, in the classes over there, and I came in and... It's awesome because uh, I've known Stevie and Kristen, who was the lovely lady standing here and the lovely gentleman standing here. Um, like my little bunny hop there. <laughs> that was a one-time deal. <laughs> um, uh, yes. I've, uh, I've known them for a very long time, and uh, they, they, we were in school of ministry at the same time in, in Reading. And I remember one of the things that I saw over them when they would worship together was I would just see this unique flow between the two of them that would be released during worship. And today was really cool. I saw this kind of, um, this almost it looked like steam that was coming coming out of the top of their, their heads, and it was meeting in the middle between them, and it was turning into this thick cloud. And the cloud was just like billowing and filling, filling the room and filling the room. And it started uh, raining, in, obviously, in the spirit. Um, and I just saw it raining on every single person. And it was really interesting because as this water would hit folks, it wouldn't just get them wet. It actually, like, it made everyone look clearer. Like, it lo- uh, like their colors were more vibrant, and I could see everyone with more clarity. I al- almost could, like, see your faces more clearly as well. And I just, um, I feel like one of the things that the Holy Spirit was releasing in worship today was just this strong uh, sense of identity. Identity is seen through the eyes of the Father. And it's just something, you know, I feel like it actually goes along a little bit with the, with the message today. But just this idea of being able to see others and see yourself the way that God sees us. Um, 
So like I said, I've, I've seen the spirit my whole life. I've seen angels almost every single day. I see demons a fair bit as well. And I, I don't talk about the demonic a whole lot, mostly because I find it less and less necessary as I go through life. But one subject that I, I also don't talk on too often, but is something that I do see very frequently, is I see wounds on people. And so our subject today is wounds. It's your perfect Saturday night, relax, you know, kind of subject. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. But trust me, it ends reasonably well. <laughs> if you would like it to. <laughs> so, just to give you kind of a little bit of a snapshot of some of this, I, I remember this one guy, he was a very good example. Um, so, I... I, I Grew up in a, uh, my parents got saved very shortly after I was born, so I grew up in the church, and I was a missionary kid and all that, and even though I grew up in the church, I didn't really grow up in churches that were really big on the supernatural, the prophetic, uh, the gifts of the spirit, things like that, and so even though I was seeing these things from a very young age, I really didn't have any grid for, for it whatsoever, didn't, and you know, especially when I was young, didn't really know that there was anything out of the ordinary going on. Um, when I was 12 years old, we started going to a church that was really active about training people in the prophetic ministry. And I, my mom dragged me to some of the prophetic classes that they had, and as I learned more about the, about the prophetic and the way that people heard God, God's voice, it just started to finally create this context for the stuff that I'd been experiencing. You know, even though it wasn't necessarily the same thing, it just gave me you know, any kind of grid for it whatsoever. And so that happened at 12, and this is right about 13 years old. Um, and we went to kind of two different prophetic meetings that we mainly went to, and this one was on a Monday night. And it wasn't a strictly prophetic meeting. It was kind of an open house thing at our pastor's house. It was kind of a, anyone is invited. And really the only main goal was just, let's just get in the presence of God together. And sometimes it would be a little bit of teaching. Sometimes we'd just worship the whole time. Sometimes we'd prophesy over each other. It was just kind of a different thing every time. And so I liked going there. It was a good place to practice. I gave my very first prophetic word ever when I was there. It was a special time. And there were, but there was this one guy who would come there who was that guy. <laughs> and if you've ever been in a church small group or like, uh, you know, like a church class, you've probably at some point in your life run into this guy. <laughs> and... What this guy does is a little bit different in each iteration and in each environment. But what, what he did here was every, every time he would come, and, you know, it wasn't always in the main part of when we were together, but in his side conversations and what he was always talking about, there was always something bad going on. It was always, oh, this, and he, he was a divorcee, and so it's it like, oh, my ex-wife did this, and oh, this happened, and oh, my boss this, and everything was always a bummer. Everything was always a downer. Everything was always wrong, and everything was always everyone else's fault. And, you know, the first couple times you hear that, you have compassion in of your heart. The guy's going through a hard time. That's easy to understand. The fifth time you hear about it, you're like, you know, okay, I get it. You know, it's... It's great. You know, I hope you get out of this soon. If only I can stop hearing about it. Um, around the 30th or the 40th time, it starts to be like, I kind of wish you wouldn't come here anymore. <laughs> I'm sure you've never, ever felt that about anyone at any time. 
And again, it, it, he was not a horrible person. It's just that it was so persistent, so consistent. Something was always wrong. Something was always, you know, a little bit boo-hoo. And I would see him with wounds when he would come uh, to the place. And it was a different thing every time. Like, I would, he came in one time, and I saw what looked like, you know, thin little cat scratches all over his face. You know, I came another time, and there was, like, a big bullet wound in his cheek. And it was, like, a big, you know, bleeding thing. Uh, again, obviously all in the spirit, just for clarity's sake. Um, and, you know, another time he'd have this big cut. Another time I'd see a knife in his back or an arrow in his side or just stuff like that. So it's, it's not like it was completely illegitimate, you know. It was just <laughs> persistent. <laughs> and, again, when you're just hearing about it all the time, it doesn't sound like it's growing or going anywhere. It's, you know, have, have pity on my bad attitude. Um, <laughs> and so one day this guy comes in, and once again he's talking about this problem or that problem. And... I immediately have this negative feeling towards him. Didn't dislike him or anything like that, but just like the, ugh, I wish he wasn't coming today. Because, you know, he came about 75% of the time. It's like, oh, it's going to be one of those days. <laughs> the second I had that feeling, had that thought, I immediately felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so, and I didn't, you know, when the, when the true, genuine conviction of the Holy Spirit comes, it doesn't, it's not like, oh, you're a horrible person. Oh, why are you thinking that, you bad person? It's like, ah, there's a higher level of thinking available right now. You know, it's like, I'm missing something. That's, that's how it feels a lot for me. And so I look at him, and I'm drawn to look at his chest for whatever reason. And as soon as I do, I see he's just wearing a button, button-up shirt. But as soon as I look at him, I see straight through his shirt, and I see his chest, and I see this dark bruise right in the center of his chest. And, you know, again, I see, you know, lots of different kinds of wounds on this guy. But my I was drawn to that wound. The second I focused on it, as soon as I saw it, all of my compassion returned for the man just instantaneously. And I couldn't tell you why. I just saw it and felt that. And as soon as I felt that compassion, I saw a picture in my mind's eye, the same way you would get a prophetic word. just saw this little picture play in my mind where I saw this man as a young child. And I saw his father with him. And the man who was now now a small child was crying. And he was trying to say something. And the dad was yelling at him saying, stop crying, you stop crying, just stop crying right now, that real quick fire way. And as he was you know, doing that, the dad leaned forward and tapped him hard three times right in the chest and said, you stop crying now. And then immediately the picture was over. And... Again, I just, it immediately gave me an even new layer of compassion for this man, for this guy. Again, you know, I was young at the time, and so I didn't know. He, I was 13. He was like, you know, 58 or something. And so I didn't know how to, like, approach him or what to say about that. And you know, Did your dad ever poke you in the chest or anything? I mean, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a weird way to start a conversation. Um so I didn't, never really did anything about it. Maybe I'll run into him again someday. But that's just kind of a snapshot of what it, what it can look like and what it can come from. And also what it can do. And so what I want to just talk a little bit about this subject because it's something that we all deal with. And you know, I, I definitely don't consider myself the biggest expert on wounds or inner healing or things like that. However, I have seen a lot of wounds on a lot of people. And I've noticed a few patterns. And so I really just kind of want to lay that out for you. Is that, is that okay? Cool. Everyone doing all right? 
Sweet. Cool. <laughs> Everyone's like, I sure hope he doesn't look at me right now. Hmm? <laughs> Was he reading my mind or does he just know how people think? <laughs> All right. So there's all these different ways that we can get wounds. And we can, some of them are obvious, but there's also some real subtle ones that we don't always think about so much. Like there's obvious ones like someone just tearing into you, you know, someone just yelling at you, being mean to you, being harsh with you, not believing in you, saying negative things about you, you know, cursing you with their words, whatever it is. Those are, those are clear, those are obvious, but man, those still hurt, you know. And especially when that's an important person in your life, an important figure in your life, that tends to hurt even more and tends to stick with you, especially when you're young enough to not know that it's not, that's not right, you know, when you just kind of take it. But there's also a lot more subtle things, and they, get, you know, they come from lots and lots of directions. Also, you can be, get, receive wounds from your disappointments. From times when you expect something to go a certain way, when you think, oh, I'm going to start this business, it's going to be amazing, it's going to go great, and then you step out on a limb and pff, it just doesn't work, it falls out, or even if there's not a big financial disaster, if it just doesn't work, you know, that, that's a huge disappointment and that can, that can cause a wound. Sometimes you can get the double whammy where you step out on a limb and try something and go after it and it doesn't work and then no one comes to help you. It's like, oh, people wound and situation wounds, it's, oh, ouch. Um, you can also get wounds from your own mistakes, from choices that you've made, from, from whether you had the full knowledge at the time or not, you know, those decisions that we make, those choices that we make, those mistakes that we make, those things that we let into our lives can leave impact, leave, leave a mark on our lives. And I, you know, I would even go so far as to say is even when time is when we were that person who was being harsh to someone, was being mean to someone, was causing a wound in someone else, often I find that also causes a wound in the person who is hurting the other person because we're, we're not meant to do that and it's not good for us to, to hurt other people. And when it comes down to it, this can come from any number of things. This can come from little random situations that are very, very small. It can be from walking by someone in the hall and they don't look you in the eye. It can be from, you know, you, so, this is a good one, where someone is like across there and they wave and you're like, hey, and there's someone behind you like walks up. <laughs> I thought you loved me. <laughs> and, and we brush that stuff off but you're lying to yourself if it doesn't hurt. <laughs> Maybe just a little. <laughs> Maybe just a little, but you're lying to yourself when you brush that off and say, oh, that was fine, that's not a big deal, that didn't hurt. <laughs> little things, sometimes they come from kids, you know. If you're walking in the mall and, uh, you know, the eight-year-old kid bumps into you and says, watch it, fatso, you know. <laughs> you're like, oh, dumb kid, you know. But inside you're saying, ouch, <laughs> that hurt to have you say that, even though you're eight years old. And it's hurting more than I know that it shouldn't hurt my feelings because you're eight years old, but it still hurts. <laughs> so it comes from little things. It comes from big things. It comes from situations that you're in control of. It comes from situations that you have absolutely no control over whatsoever. It comes from things that happened hundreds of years before you were born. It comes from social norms that were set before you were even thought of on the earth, although you were thought of in heaven. Um, it, it, it comes from social norms, from socioeconomical norms. It comes from racial norms. It comes from things that you don't have control over, where you walk into a world that is hurting you. <laughs> Feel encouraged yet? <laughs> I mean, when it comes down to it, like, I have probably hurt some of you. 
You know, maybe I gave a message and you felt like it was directed at you. Maybe you sent me a message on Facebook and I never answered you. <laughs> and just so you know, that's because I go on Facebook like once every six months in a good year. <laughs> and so I just reject everyone equally. <laughs> so you can... <laughs> I get on there and see like 120 messages. I go, ah! <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> So, equal, you are not more rejected than anyone else in that regard. Uh, um, you know, I've heard so many stories of pastors, what we expect, oh man, this is a big one, like what we expect someone to be or do when they are not that, that can cause a wound, whether it was intended or not, whether it's just because of that person's personality, whether it's because of whatever it is. You know, when we don't get the love that we expect from a leader, when we don't get the attention we expect from a leader, that can cause wounds. <sighs> I remember this one time I was, we, me and my wife, April, were having a uh, marital discussion. <laughs> a, a pleasant, uh, organized marital discussion. <laughs> And if you've ever been in a relationship, you know this moment, this moment where you feel like that little phrase or that little sentence pop up in your mind. You're like, oh, I know I shouldn't say that, but it might feel really good if I do. <laughs> and even like, and come on, don't deny, like even like the feeling of having that in your back pocket is like, yeah, I'm, if, I, if I need to, I'm not going to, I know I'm not supposed to, but if I need to, I got this. I got this that I can throw. <laughs> you know, I'm ready. I'm ready. And so it was one of those. Not not a horrible thing, not a real, you know, deep anything, but just uh, just one of those. And I felt it. I knew it was not a good thing to say, but it was there. And, you know, the moment seemed right. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I just, blah. <laughs> and so I said the thing, and I watched as this little cut just appears on her face. And, you know, not huge, not massive, not, you know, horrible trauma, but just a little, like if you just took a razor and just went, just this little trickle of blood ran down her cheek. And I said, oh, man. And I, I stopped right then and said, I am so sorry that I said that. That was, that was not okay. And, you know, she did the thing that we normally do of, like, oh, no, it's fine. It's no big deal. It's okay. And, I, and I'm like, no, that was not okay for me to say that. And I watched as the wound healed. And not only did the wound heal, the blood ran, ran back up into the cut and, and healed. And I wish I could say that was the only time that had ever happened. But, you know, it's, there's so many opportunities to experience hurt to experience wounding. And I've seen how this affects us so much in so many parts of our lives, how it changes our expectations, how it changes what we expect from people, what we expect from the world, what we expect from God, what we expect from ourselves, usually for the negative. <laughs> Feeling filled with, filled with hope yet? <laughs> So before, before we make the, the mid-sermon turn around where everything turns out happy, I got one more grenade to throw at you, <laughs> um, which is this. We, again, we have this tendency, especially in Western culture, and you know, sometimes more so for men, but I've seen plenty of women do this as well. We have this thing to, to shrug off our wounds, to be like, ah, mm, uh, yeah, yeah. 
ugh, you know, whatever. I've never met a person who did not have wounds. Surprise, every single person in this room right now has wounds. Never met a single human being on this entire planet that did not. From the greatest uh, preacher of the gospel to the lowliest person on the, on the street, you know, digging around in trash cans. And then they're, so they're big, they're small, they come in all different sizes. So I've never met a person who didn't have wounds. However, I have noticed that not every single person's life is defined by their wounds. <laughs> and that is what I want to lead you guys towards today. <laughs> because we'll run into hurt. <laughs> You'll run into it a lot. And the scary thing is, is if you start paying attention to it, you'll notice it happens a lot more than you thought. But God made a plan for that. And God's plans are not like those, those plans where it's like, I'm trying to accommodate as many people as possible. You know, this isn't perfect for everyone, but this just does the most good, you know. Now, God has an individualized, personal plan for every single nick, cut, bump, bruise, and devastating disaster that you've had in your entire life. He has an individual plan for the complete restoration of every single one of those. Because if he is good enough and wants to know us and wants to love us enough to number every single hair on our head, then why would he not attend to every single little cut and nick? And bump. That's who he is. So I want to tell you. I want to tell you another story, just to um, draw a picture of how some of this works. So I, so I really like science. I like it a lot. I like you know getting getting data. I like you know points of comparison. I like you know having having a control group and then having the test group. You know sciencey stuff, which is maybe weird considering my particular gifting. <laughs> um, but I really do. And, you know, I don't get too many op opportunities to have a semi-scientific approach to what I do. But in this particular area with this particular story, I had what I felt was a pretty good little test case. So several years ago, I had two friends. And both of these friends were about the same age. They had the same hair color. They were the same gender. They... Um, had a very similar past. They had very, very unhealthy mothers who were very, very controlling, very, very critical, and very, very negative. I, I went to both of these people's wedding, and both of their mothers put on a real show at both of their weddings, which is to say they were really mean and loud during the wedding. <laughs> um, and both of them had been uh, uh, sexually assaulted when they were very young. So very similar backstories, very similar histories, very similar stories. And I saw both of these people go through the school of ministry at the same time. And I watched day by day by day, bit by bit, them get the, the influence of culture, the influence of identity, the influence of the goodness of God over and over and over. And I saw all of this love and release being poured out on them. And I watched as one person laid down those wounds, let the Holy Spirit enter all of that pain, all of that injustice, all of that 
all of that harm and just heal it up again and again and again. It wasn't a magic bippity-boppity-boo thing. It was a process. But I watched this one person receive again and again and again and do the hard work and have the hard conversations and walk this path. And I watched another person who was experiencing the same transformation, the same love, the same release of God's goodness fall short of releasing their right to hold on to that pain, (laughs) to keep holding on to their right to be upset about this, to be bothered by this. And I watched that person not quite receive the same transformation. And these two people got married right around the same time. And I watched one couple get closer and closer. And both couples had a lot of conflict right at the beginning of their relationship, mostly because of some of the, some of the history on honestly both sides, but because of the, the person's family history. And I watched one couple work through it, get through it. Not easy, not, not happy, magic, fun times like, oh, I'm feeling this. Oh, the presence of God just fixed it. Kaboom. You know, it was, it was a process. That happened, but also lots of conversations happened and process. And then I watched another one build, start to look better and better and better. But I could feel that person still just not letting go of that stuff. And as time went by, I watched one grow better and better and healthier and healthier and more connected to their kids. And I watched one go through an, an, an affair that they initiated and caused tremendous disconnection in within the family, within different situations. And, you know, they, they still worked it out. And April and I were involved in some of that process and you know, were able to work it out. And they're still together. But I still see some of that stuff being held on to. <laughs> And so what, what I'm saying is I've, and this is not the first time I've seen this pattern happen. This is the first time I saw it with two people who had such similar backdrops. Is a couple of things. You are very powerful in how much your wounds get healed. <laughs> and while I would very much agree that you have every, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, like, a lot of the stuff that happened to this particular person, it was not just, it was not fair. It happened at a time where they had little say or little control over what was going on. A lot of stuff was done to them. You know, that they, they had every right to be hurt by that. They had every right to be upset by that. They had every right to, to feel that pain, to experience that pain, to, to, to hold on to that. It just did, that right just didn't do them any good. <laughs> And I I promise you that there is pain in your life right now, whether it's a big thing or a small thing. There are people that have hurt you that you have a right to be upset with them. But I promise you that holding on to that right is not doing you any good. It is not helping you. It is not fixing that problem. Back to that, that guy. It's funny, looking back, I realized 
that I'm like, man, this guy is going through this cycle. And he's going through this cycle that's actually causing what happened with his dad to repeat. He's becoming abrasive towards people, which causes people to reject him, which causes him to experience the same rejection that he experienced as a child, which is reinforcing this thing. And when I looked at what the pattern was there, or at least the, the loop that the enemy had tricked him into going to, he had tricked him into going after his health, his healing for his wound the wrong way. In a very simple, simple way. And I want to, here, I'm going to read the scripture to you because I feel like it helps us understand how to deal with these hurts, how to go with these. But then I'm going to point out some of the ways that we can use good things to actually stunt the healing in our wounds. Does that sound okay? We're still doing good? Okay, awesome. All right, this is a great scripture. This whole section here is a lot about this kind of subject, so it's real good to go through, but it's Colossians 3, and I'm going to just read verse 12 to 14. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And just for a quick uh, cultural context there, uh, in verse 13 where it says, bear with each other, we often think of that in the context of the popular phrase, uh, grin and bear it, (laughs) which is like, yeah, we're bearing with each other. The way that I was bearing with my my friend who came to the small group all the time, you know. It's actually not what that word means. That word actually means to hold together, to pull together, to to basically to fight for connection. For I am not letting go of this. I am holding us together, which means something a little bit different. And I want to point out at the beginning... (laughs) It's talk, he's talking about, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Hey, your identity is as a loved person. And so you are connecting with other people with gentleness, humility, kindness, patience. You are creating good connections with people. Forgive others. Don't let any grievances come between you. And with all of these good virtues, it says, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Above all of these means this is the most important. Do this first and do everything else within the context of this. And I want to illustrate how I feel like the enemy tricks us into not doing that first, which completely undermines the process that God is trying to do in our lives. My friend who came and hurt, his experience was his dad says, you need to stop crying. You're not allowed to express yourself. I don't want to hear what you have to say. I don't care what you're feeling or dealing with. What did he solve, try to heal that wound with? The very healthy and good principle of freedom and vulnerability. He came and said, I'm free to share. In this culture of freedom that we had in this small group, he felt very free to share what was going on, to share what was happening. Unfortunately, because he did not first have an encounter with the love of his father God, that freedom, that very good value of freedom actually created a cycle of rejection, 
like we talked about earlier. That very healthy and good principle of freedom created a cycle of rejection because it was not through the context of love with God that, hey, I don't need other people's to be willing to listen to what my problems are to feel valuable. My value comes from God. My connections with other are an extension of that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run down a couple of these. And I'll be honest with you, like these, these might stab you a little bit because sometimes this is the way that we deal with our wounds. So if you still feel stabbed, just go, ooh, and then let, let the Lord heal that wound. And I'll be honest, some of these are totally stuff that I do, so it's okay. And actually, the next one on the list is something I totally do. Um, this one's not as much of a good principle, but it does disguise itself. So cynicism. Cynicism is another way that we try to protect, try to guard our wounds. You know, when we feel something rubbing up against those wounds, and we say things like, well, they deal with this, this, and this. Or we pick out, oh, well, they do this, this, and this. Well, they're probably just da, da, da. Or they're probably just motivated by da, 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 da. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> okay, this is a rough one, but I, I, I've dealt with this one where I, where I get in this cynical attitude about things and about individuals sometimes. And, man, the Holy Spirit just full-on sat on me with this one because he said... <laughs> The only reason you're seeing other people this way is because you've become so accustomed to believing the lies that the enemy is saying about you that it makes you makes you more readily believe the lies that he has to say about other people. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought I was being smarter than everyone. <laughs> we're not seeing other people's flaws, other people's wounds, other people's mistakes through the same love of our Heavenly Father, then we are missing the truth. <laughs> we're not missing the positive side. We are missing the truth. <laughs> that doesn't excuse things. That's, you know, Jesus said not to stone the woman who was caught in adultery, but then he said, go and sin no more. It doesn't change that there might be injustices and wrong things, but it completely changes the terms of engagement. It completely changes how what other people do affects me, and it completely changes the standard by which I live. My standard is not other people's weakness. My standard is God's love. <laughs> so if you catch yourself being cynical, slow your roll. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit might sit on you. <laughs> Ooh, the next one is justice. We, we get this justice thing that says, we, we learn to cope with these pains by saying, well, I am going to, uh, you know, if I make sure this never happens to anyone or never happens to my kids or never happens to these people, that then I can get some value or some justice out of this pain. And that is not a bad thing. That is not an evil thing. That is not a wrong thing. However, when we do not partner that with the absolute love of God first, then all of a sudden, anyone who does that thing that hurt us that one time is a villain, is a bad guy. And we reduce men and women who are equally made in God's image to villains and bad guys and box them in and actually help perpetuate them being stuck in that place that they're at. And so often when we live out of reaction to our negative experience, we either create, tend to create the same situation again 
or such an extreme opposite that it's bad in a different way. You know, I've heard, heard stories of, oh, my mom was so strict about cleaning, and she would yell at us if we spilled something on the carpet, and we'd get in so much trouble. So I said, well, I'm never, I'm not going to ever put that requirement on my kids. Wouldn't want them to feel that way. But now my house is messy all the time. All the time. My kids don't know how to be responsible about this, about this kind of thing. And I have conflicts in their marriage because they don't know how to be responsible for, in these areas. <laughs> you know, that's a simple one, but there's ones that are much, much, much more extreme, you know. When we react out of a negative, we go too far or we end up imitating and perpetuating. And now when we see justice through the love of God, then we can bring transformation to to both the victim and the victimizer. And that's what true heavenly justice looks like. Okay, we're cutting a little bit deeper now. The next one, identity. Your identity is not how you heal your wounds. When identity is, is experienced without first having an encounter with the love of God, identity very quickly turns into entitlement. Very quickly turns into, I am owed this. I should have this. I shouldn't have to do this. I shouldn't have to do that. <laughs> Why would I have to serve on the parking team? Why would I have to, you know, help clean up trash afterwards? Why would I have to do this? You know, it, it, and those are simple things, but it, it turns into this attitude where everyone owes me something, which undermines that identity message and actually starts building a cycle where no one's giving you that and no one's reinforcing that identity, which actually hacks away your identity. But when we have that through the love of God then we get to see how our identity looks in the context of his love and his kindness and his goodness. And it completely changes that paradigm to entitlement to very empowered and responsible. Does that make sense? Okay, the last one, this is another, this is another deep cut one. Um, the goodness of God. Sometimes we use the goodness of God to try to take care of our wounds experiencing the goodness of God without first having a revelation of God's love reduces God's goodness to a fake smile that says God is good all the time <laughs> you're scared to say it I know That's all right. God is good when I'm really screaming hide the pain <laughs> I have to look okay all the time I have to be happy all the time everything has to be good all the time how you doing fine <laughs> How are the kids? Great. How's your wife? Wonderful. (laughs) Didn't feel like wonderful for someone. That sounded like, help me. (laughs) It, It sounds strange, but it's so true. We can actually misappropriate God's goodness because we don't have this acquaintance with his deep, deep love. Because everything that he does flows out of that love. And so I want to I be clear here for just a little bit, too. It's 
all of this that I'm talking about is very much your side of the coin. This is what you have in your hands. This is how you can choose to handle the negative experiences, the wounds that you're dealing with right now. But there's a lot more to this. There's a lot more as far as getting help from other people to walk through things. That's why we have our wonderful counseling department and Sozo and all those things, which are wonderful things to get connected to if you're feeling stuck. And that's why we... You know, we have mentors and brothers and sisters and school of, schools of ministry to help grow, not only just grow and get the good stuff, but also grow past some of these, this stuff to get these revelations that we need. There's, there's lots to this. And there's also, you know, I recommend when it comes to dealing with this stuff and actually having some of those hard conversations with people, just look on the Internet for everything that's written or recorded by Danny Silk and just download and purchase and buy all of that stuff and read it all about 18 times and then you'll have it figured out mostly, <laughs> and you'll, you know there's such great tools out there to learn how to have these conversations, to set healthy boundaries, to do all of that stuff. But even with every single one of those things, I would say what you need first is an encounter with the love of God. You need to have it in that context, because everything else, good communication skills can just as easily turn into used car sales <laughs> about my woundings. <laughs> you know, I've seen it done. You know, I, I, boundaries can so easily turn into walls. You know, it's, it's all of this stuff can turn into such, such, such unhealthy things if we don't first have an encounter with God's love and from there attack this stuff. <laughs> Make sense? I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you two more little things. Um, this is just a little factoid that I came up with re- recent or ran into recently. That's really interesting. And I'm gonna tell you a story that had to do with it. Um, so they did this test, um, and they did it a couple times over the last few years. But they noticed that in the era when mostly black and white TV was available, that people who mostly grew up watching black and white television. 75% of the dreams that they had were in black and white, which is interesting. And then they did, they've done other tests since in generations where there's mostly been, you know, color TV available, and they noticed that 75% of the dreams that those people had were in color. Now, this says something very interesting to me, which is that whatever we focus on, whatever we point our attention to, affects the way that we think when we're not even thinking about it. Affects the way that we see things. Affects the way that we process the world. Affects us the way that things are going on in the background of how we're thinking. And I have one more story to kind of tie some of that in together. So I was, I was at this conference, and I was speaking there, and I think it was the, the second day that I was there. And this, uh, this woman comes up to me and says, hey, would you be willing to you know, see in the spirit over my daughter and just say what you see? I'm like, sure, no problem. I'd be, I'd be happy to do that. And she said, well, let me, uh, let me explain some of our situation. And she said, you know, we were, we were just kind of the cute church family, you know, that we had all the, all the goody kids and, you know, the, we were just this, you know, the, the cutest family in the church, you know, coming, coming every week and all this stuff, and then my daughter, she started um, talking to this guy online, and she started talking to him, and, you know, chatting with him, and then I uh, started dating him a little bit, and she's like, you know, I was a little bit unsure about it, but I, you know, she was stretching out her freedom, you know, and all these, all these different things, she was getting a little bit older, 
and he was giving her all these nice gifts and all this different stuff until one day this guy kidnapped her and brought her into the human trafficking world. And it took uh, three months for the police to track her down and find her and get her back. So they, they did get her back, which is awesome. But, but a, a lot of bad can happen in three months. And so she said, would, would you still be willing to, to pray over my daughter? And I said, yeah. And so I, he said, she said, you know, hey, if you don't mind, it's, this is all kind of pretty fresh. And so she doesn't really want to come in, even if you just meet her in the in the foyer. That would be that'd be great. I said, you know, no problem. We we go out there, and you know she's she's there, and you know I can I can even though I see in the spirit all the time, I can turn it off or turn it on, uh, which is handy. <laughs> <laughs> and so decided it would be best to turn that off at first, <laughs> and I walk up and. You know, everything about this girl's posture is speaking, screaming trauma. I mean, she's she's not standing still on her feet. She's not meeting my eye for more than half a second. She's looking down, looking everywhere. You know, it's rough. And just even just as a human being, I'm feeling so much compassion and pain just resonating in this in this situation. And I'm feeling scared to look in the spirit. Not. Not because I'm scared of what I will see exactly, but because in the same way that we are sometimes scared of experiencing pain, it feels like I'm just walking towards putting my hand in the fire, you know, in the sense of experiencing what's going on. So I'm like, well, I'm, I'm here anyway. And so I, I look down, and I start looking in the spirit, and I look up. And I'm, I'm expecting disaster. I'm expecting just a horrible wounding. I've seen lots of people dealing with lots of things. You know, I've seen, and some of it looks real rough. And it's not that it looks so gross that's like the problem. It's knowing that, oh, that's how they feel right now. <laughs> that's what they're dealing with right now. That's what they're carrying right now. And so I'm, I can feel just the pain resonating off of her. And I'm just slowly raising my gaze. And I... And I look, and the blood dripping from her wounds is so thick that it's filling her shoes. And it's running down. And I just kind of, like, close my eyes for a second and then lift my head and, you know, look her full in the face. And what happened, I, I have a hard time describing because it was very simple and very nuanced. But it completely messed me up because I looked at her, and I'm looking in the spirit at this girl, and I, despite my, my internal senses, my natural human empathy, my, all these natural senses that are screaming pain, that are screaming trauma, I look at her, and there is not a flaw on any part of her. There is not a single thing wrong with her in any way. And I'm having this very strange moment of all of my sem senses except for my sight are screaming pain. But my sight says, perfect. The way that I feel when I see my two-year-old two little girl run into the room. And I quickly, just with the juxtaposition of what's going on, I realize that I'm, I'm seeing her the way that the father does. 
And it's confusing. It says so much because I can still feel every single ounce of pain. It's not like it's being reduced because I'm not seeing it. Because it's never seeing it that hurts me. It's feeling it. But somehow, the God that we serve is so good that he does not hide himself from our pain by one single drop. He does not separate himself from our suffering, yet he sees us as the perfect child that he dreamed of when he created us. And it was hard, because that's a hard thing to say to someone who's been through something like that. And I I did my best. And I said what I felt, and I said it with as much truth as I could. I, I didn't see a lot of a reaction from her. And, you know, again, I understanding what she'd been through, I think even talking to me was hard. So I want to encourage you that no matter what has happened to you, no matter whether it was your fault or someone else's fault or someone else, some, a choice that, some, that you made or a choice that someone else made for you, whatever it is, I don't care what it is, God has his perfect love ready to redeem every single little drop of that. Without exception, without caveat, without, without excuse. <laughs> He has redemption for every single little bit of it. And the enemy is desperately trying to scare us away from that, trying to put us in cycles that reinforce the lies. And he'll, he'll, he doesn't care what you believe as long as you don't believe that God loves you. <laughs> he'll go with anything, anything, whatever. Okay, they're kind of leaning that way. Boom, we'll do that. We'll do the, we'll do the people don't like you thing. Oh, okay, we're going to do that. All right, we're going to do, do the God doesn't care about you thing. Okay, you know, he doesn't care. He will grab onto whatever in whatever way he can try to reinforce that lie. And what I'm going to put towards you today is the tremendous challenge of choosing. Because if there's one thing I've seen, that, 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 story with those two people who had similar histories, similar pains, and one built a lot of health and one kept their cycle going. The only difference I could really see is that one of them decided to give up their right to hold on to that pain. (laughs) And I, I get it. It is your right. It is your human right to be able to hold on to that. But I promise you, that if you start to give that up or even ask him how to even figure out how to give that up, he will meet you there because he is ready for that. He is ready to let that go and walk you through. And it's not going to be magic. It's not going to be bippity-boppity-boo. It's going to be a beautiful process because bippity-boppity-boo only lasts till midnight. (laughs) And he's into processes that last forever. That worked nicely. Um, (laughs) And just as some general tips, this is just quick fire Blake's tips at the end. I I noticed that the the person who grew more in health, they were more willing to serve around school. They were more willing to engage in I'm going to find community. The other person complained a lot about not being able to find community but didn't really make very many phone calls. It's a rejection cycle. It's, it's set up to trick you into reinforcing lies that the enemy's been telling you. And I know it's hard, but if you can get the guts to push past it and say, oh, I'm going to go serve on the parking team just to be around people. I'm going to go serving kids just to be around people. I'm going I'm to call people, which is terrifying, and say, do you want to hang out? 
<laughs> so I thought asking my wife to date me was hard. This is, <laughs> this is right back to that again, isn't it? Do you want to be friends? <laughs> I know it's not easy, but peace everlasting is on the other side. Learning to push past that stuff. Learning to maybe experience that rejection again because maybe they don't want to hang out with you. But then immediately leaning into what the Father is saying. That will heal <laughs> that situation and retroactively heal more of your history because you're walking through it with your dad. <laughs> I know it's not easy. I know it's hard. But, man, pushing through that stuff, getting out of those cycles, whatever it looks like, whatever it costs you, it's just not worth being in it anymore. <laughs> and I know there's more to it than that. And I, that's why I love our counseling department. I love our SOSA department because if you do feel stuck, please just ask for some help because sometimes that's the threshold we need to cross, you know. We believe this lie that, like, uh, asking for that means there's something wrong with me, even though I feel horrible every day, <laughs> you know. And so whatever you need to do, man, please do it because it, ultimately it's for your own sake. And so it, I'm a little bit over time, so if you guys could stand up, I just want to pray for you. So like I said, we're, we're all on this together, guys. This is part of, part of being on earth as it, as it currently stands. Is there's stuff that hurts us, big things, small things, and really one's not much that bigger than the other. You know, they've done other studies that are, that are fascinating that the teenager who's heartbroken over breaking up for that, with that boyfriend that they dated for a week. <laughs> now we have that reaction in reading their brain waves, in reading what's actually happening in their body, it's no different than the person who has their spouse pa pass away after 40 years of marriage. Functionally with how the brain is operating. Functionally with how much pain I'm experiencing. What does that say? Pain is pain. And we can push past our pain and we can say that it doesn't hurt, we can say it doesn't that, but it doesn't matter if it was your boyfriend for one week or 40 years of marriage. It's pain is pain. And God's love is the only answer. There's more to it, and he leads you, but the way that he leads you to the more to it is through his love every time. So, God, I thank you so much for these people, Lord. I thank you so much for those who have come here today to decide I do not want my wounds or my pain to define my life. That I want the love of God to define my life. And, Lord, I just release the spirit of wisdom and revelation into this room, that there would be decisions made, that there would be conversations had, that there would be counseling appointments made if necessary, that there would be sozo appointments made if necessary, that they would call their friends to get prayer, that they would spend that quiet time with you, whatever it looks like to step into this revelation of love that you are sitting waiting with right now. I release that clear direction right now. And I speak silence to the voice of fear and doubt that is actually the mirrored fear of the enemy at, at God's people being empowered to move past his best attempts to undermine God's hands and feet on this earth. And so I just speak silence to those voices that would try to steal our breakthrough. In Jesus' name, that this would be a season of breakthrough, a season of health, and a season of experiencing God's love in a magnificent and powerful new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.